Thanks for arranging for their uh, involvement. Thanks for arranging the event, Pohar uh, Gandhi and Dharani Dharan, as always, uh, thought-provoking and enlightening discussions uh, seem to happen every time we have one of these. I hope today will be no exception. Partly because I have a conflict of interest as a sitting finance minister and as a, the, the founder of this forum, and partly because I want this to be mostly about ideas rather than politics. I don't want to get too deep into uh, you know, philosophical uh, uh, questions, uh, at least uh, at the Tamil Nadu level. So if it's okay with you, what I'd like to do, I certainly don't want to talk for 20 minutes, but I'd just like to pose a few questions that might enlighten the debate or that might uh, kind of guide the comments of the fellow panelists in terms of trying to answer what I see as basic uh, queries that we as a government uh, contemplate. So before we think about, excuse me, before we think about monetization of existing assets, I think a more profound question, especially for someone like uh, our DMK party that has come back into power after 10 years and finds ourselves with both a, a greatly constrained balance sheet, a huge debt load and a huge interest load and uh, inability to do the kind of capital investments we'd like to do. I think the first and profound question to us is, you know, what is really a public good or service? Uh, what is something that only the government can and should provide? What is something that the government could provide in competition with others? What is something that uh, is a revenue generating asset, uh, like a lease of a shop in a bus stand? What is something that is clearly got no revenue at all directly and is really a social or a public uh, you know, good, like building toilets in uh, uh, classrooms, I mean, toilets and classrooms in schools, in government schools, particularly in girls' schools where they seem to not have enough. And uh, the question that follows from that is, uh, do we see these as uh, products like we used to before where we buy something and then we operate it? Uh, or do we see these as services where they're permanently leased to somebody and then they just provide a kind of ongoing uh, uh, service? So, for example, the transport corporations, uh, right now we buy buses and then the government of Tamil Nadu operates them. In a lot of uh, uh, states, they have changed to a model where they buy the provision of bus service, so including the bus, including the driver, including the maintenance, all of that. Certain routes are run at certain uh, frequencies. And that is the provision of the service. In a bit, uh, you can think of this as buying software and maintaining it yourself or buying software as a service where we just pay annual fee and we get these kinds of uh, uh, you know, net outcomes, including uh, maintenance and so forth. And based on these, uh, for example, the, the dilemma we go through is right now, uh, we are constrained, as I say, based on our balance sheet and our financial situation to uh, spending no more than 40 or 45,000 crores this year in capital investments. That is a very, very low percentage because our revenue deficit is so high and the correlation between good investments in uh, water systems, in hospitals, in ports, in roads, uh, in colleges and outcomes in terms of growth rates is, is fairly uh, well agreed. 
So if we have a situation where, you know, the, the FRBM Act and the FRA Act of our state uh, recommends about 3%, now 3.5% fiscal deficit, ideally we'd like to spend much of that or all of that towards uh, capital investments and use that to generate growth. But because of our fiscal deficit, because, I mean, our revenue deficit, which is already almost 2% of uh, GSDP, we are severely constrained. Now, when that happens, we start asking ourselves, should we really be investing 100% equity in a lot of these uh, projects? Is there you know, a classification of investments or capital projects where some of these must be and always will be 100% government equity, 100% government control, built by the government or at best by contractors under the management of the government and uh, delivered, and then we operate these. Uh, and then what are assets of the other extreme, like toll roads, like the government of India now does, which are basically built almost entirely by uh, the, the contractor the, under the BOT model or what they call the, the hybrid uh, asset model, um, where uh, there's some part of equity from the government, a lot of equity from the investor who's also the developer, and then the revenues are shared at a certain ratio for a certain number of years, and after that, they revert to the state. So, you know, is that an option? And there's also the additional issue where we have things like public uh, goods and services, which are really uh, uh, struggling. So, for example, electricity in Tamil Nadu, we have a Tamil Nadu electricity board that has a debt of about 1.71 lakh crores uh, between the, uh, the labor costs and the uh, sourcing costs and all of the the kind of inputs, uh, the the unit uh, cost of acquisition for our uh, Tanjetco is about nine rupees and something paisa unit. Uh, on average, on the retail, we sell for two rupees something. You, you, we sell a bit higher on the industrial. You do all of the average uh, weighted average across all the consumers, and uh, at best, we realize something like seven rupees a unit. So we're running about two, two and a half rupees a unit for, you know, crores and crores or hundreds of crores of units. And Tangent goes therefore operating at about 30, 35,000 crores a year loss. Now, there are multiple ways we could see a resolution to this problem. But one that has been suggested to us is the model that has been adopted in places like Delhi or Orissa, where they have effectively outsourced uh, the entire uh, model including the staff that were operating under the uh, uh, electricity departments. I'm not saying we're going to touch it anytime soon. I'm just saying those are the models that other states have adopted, and they seem to be uh, at least at a lower loss or lower subsidy, if not, as I'm told in the case of Delhi, an outright uh, positive dividend paid to the government of Delhi, the state of Delhi, uh, from the, the contractor. So... You know, we are thinking much more prospectively rather than retrospectively in terms of existing assets to uh, monetize. Now, there's also the moral question when you're trying to monetize existing assets, particularly if you're, uh, you know, a, a party that has relatively recently come to government and in the scope of the 75 or 80 years of, uh, you know, uh, independent country, uh, you have not had a whole lot of hand in the development of these assets than for you to end up coming and monetizing these assets that were built under the administration and the foresight of other people uh, is an issue. And I'll leave you with just one last issue, which is the technical issue as a former market participant and a, and a you know, employee of large banks 
for uh, multiple uh, years in multiple continents, uh, is a pipeline where you designate, you know, lakhs and lakhs of crores of assets, trillions of rupees of assets over a three-year horizon uh, and a stated intent that you need to raise that much as part of your budgeting process and your entire financial model. Is that really the best way to monetize assets? Or are you better off being kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, asset by asset, uh, situation by situation, uh, bidder by bidder and, and type of investor by type of investor monetizing these assets. So, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that any of these grand uh, uh, big number plans have ever worked, at least in the last six, seven years. We keep hearing about this number of uh, 100 lakh crores of capital investment. Uh, I'm yet to see uh, much of that. And then we wonder about the dichotomy that on the one hand, we talk about 100 lakh crores of capital investment from the government. On the other hand, we talk, talk about monetizing the assets built over the decades um, that uh, previous governments maybe had built. And so, you know, it, it's, a, it's a complex issue as, as we see it, at least. Uh, there are a whole number of uh, aspects to this. Um, I'll just maybe give one last example. Part of it also is that the technology and the models change so rapidly and uh, the, the, the environment in terms of um, the uh, uh, migration of people, the needs of people, uh, the situations. So in water, for example, we have the two examples in Tamil Nadu. One, uh, in Madurai, the city I come from and where I'm an MLA, we have been continuously claiming to develop uh, integrated underground drainage system but every time some part opens up, it's taken so long that by the time it opens, it, it gets clogged because the headcount and the, the demand has gone up so high that we have not planned far enough ahead or executed fast enough. And so uh, the system seems inadequate and we have to do this again. And uh, the, at the administrative level, for example, we issued a white paper this year, earlier in August, and uh, we have an entity called the, the TWAD, Tamil Nadu Water Administration uh, uh, Department. And uh, the TWAD right now has about 1,400 or 1,500 employees and about 9,000 something uh, pensioners in a clearly you know, unsustainable financial model uh, based on track record from previous years. And so we're gonna to have to do some kind of one-time restructuring uh, if that board is gonna to continue to be viable and then provide a public uh, a service and water delivery. So I think these are the things we think about um, in terms of retrospective monetization. Uh, we have clearly indicated that we are not very enthusiastic about it. We certainly don't feel uh, a great urgency or a great uh, affinity for monetizing things like Chennai Airport, which were on the list uh, cited by the union government. Uh, the chief minister has written to the union government uh, um, stating our opposition to such moves. I was, uh, I was very happy to hear. I think uh, a lot of good points were made. Uh, and I think uh, the ideal situation, of course, is something you talked about, which is to move these out of the control of the, uh, of the bureaucrats and the executive to the legislature. Uh, you know, because uh, if, if I was to talk the other side of this uh, problem that I see, uh, I completely agree with you that political interference in PSUs has been one of the biggest uh, uh, causes of the decay 
or the lack of good performance. I also feel that uh, the alignment of politics has reached into the, uh, the, into the, uh, the government unions. And you find that politics plays a role even there in terms of, uh, you know, rather than for the workers, they're talking more about the parties. Uh, also, when we try to price things for the public, for example, in, in Tamil Nadu, uh, a lot of the benefits of the pricing go to the upper uh, crust and not to the um, uh, real common people. So though we give, for example, the first 100 units of electricity free, when we actually go and see where the subsidy in electricity is going, the greatest portion of the subsidy in electricity is going to people who use more than 500 units. In fact, we use more than 1,000 units uh, because of the way this is structured. So there's not enough progressivity in the way things are done. Is this systemic or is this uh, you know, an aberration? It's hard for me to say. And I think uh, right now, for example, we have a dilemma where uh, we have a bus stand that was built 100% on, on government funds but it had some uh, problems, corruption, so forth, which I've, I've already listed while I was an opposition member. But now we have a situation where there are about two or 300 shops to be leased. Now, in normal circumstances, these kinds of leases, uh, you know, would also have corruption in them. Uh, but, for example, we have just run a, a lease for a, a replacement of some shops around the temple where uh, the monthly rent income has gone up almost 10x because the lease, uh, the auctions were run transparently. And uh, in, since it was in my constituency and I'm the minister, I made sure there was no political interference. And so the fair auction yielded to the people 10x the monthly rent that we were getting in the old uh, setup. So I, I think it's as much about execution as it is about uh, philosophy or politics you know, any model can be uh, uh, ruined by bad execution. Even a bad model can be uh, leavened by good execution. And in the case of uh, legislatures, I think there's a broader problem here. Uh, as I said, when I was an opposition member, and I repeat when I'm a minister, that in many cases, the whole, uh, the, the power of the legislature is envisioned in the constitution already seems to have eroded greatly. Uh, and because of uh, the partisanship that has developed and the anti-defection law and various activities, uh, you know, various shifts in the model, we are now in a situation where the legislature is mostly voiceless and just uh, used as a rubber stamp. So I think there are some underlying uh, problems, but certainly it was very thought-provoking and, uh, and I was taking notes copiously while you were uh, speaking. And I think some of these will certainly inform our um, you know, uh, internal discussions and our approach uh, over time. So I just want to express my thanks to both of you uh, for your insightful comments and for your uh, taking the time and addressing the forum. Thank you.